Hey everyone, welcome to Heart to Heart, the podcast that brings you inside King Street to explore the people, their passions, and the programs that make our hearts beat. You can expect conversations with faculty that dive into programs and curriculum and spotlight the unique characteristics of a Sacred Heart education. Sacred Heart stands out as Greenwich's only all-girls faith-based school. Yet we stand together with 200 network schools around the world. Our community of diverse and talented scholars, athletes, creators, and doers give us so much to talk about. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. You're back. Or maybe this is your first visit. Either way, thanks for being here. Some of you might be listening in your car right now, others out for a walk. But if you're inside your home or office, I'd like you to take a minute to look around. Try seeing your space with new eyes. Consider the color of the walls, the shape of the furniture, the feel of the lighting. Are you physically comfortable, soothed, distracted? In an earlier episode of this podcast, we roamed the great outdoors of Sacred Heart Greenwich. This week, we'll stay inside to explore the innovative and thoughtful design of our interior spaces. Our goal is to learn how classroom design impacts how we feel and how we learn. After listening, you might be inspired to make some changes to your own space. In the last decade, classroom design has become a hot topic among educators and designers. We've developed an understanding that the spaces where we live and learn are hugely influential to our physical and mental well-being. More recently, we've come to see how physical space, even furniture, measurably impacts student engagement and motivation. Assistant head of school, Mrs. Linda Vasu, recently suggested a book to me on this topic titled The Third Teacher, which investigates the link between the classroom environment and learning. There's a copy in the library, and I'd recommend it to anyone, teacher, student, parent, You'll look at every room in your life with refreshed, more critical eyes. I'll paraphrase the book's first chapter because it was so striking. Here it goes. This year's kindergartners will graduate in the year 2036. And all we know of this far-off world is that it will have challenges and possibilities beyond anything that we can imagine today. How well prepared these kindergartners are for the future depends in large measure on the experiences they have in school. Of course, these experiences will be shaped by adults and classmates, but also by the places and spaces where students do their learning. It's often called the third teacher, hence the book's title. It's the physical environment, and it plays a powerful role in preparing today's students for tomorrow's world. Subtle design elements, such as lighting, have proven results in enhancing learning outcomes. In fact, a 2003 study notes how increased natural light and limited use of fluorescence boosts test scores and reduces absenteeism. Creating comfortable, welcoming spaces encourages students to feel safe, thereby unlocking their creativity. Furniture design and configuration plays a role in supporting the development of skills that we know students will need to be successful in the future. Communication, collaboration, and problem solving. In thinking about classroom design, Sacred Heart educators have asked themselves, does this space work for what we know about learning today? 
or just fit what we knew about learning in the past. While traditional desks and chairs still have a purpose, our teachers also think about ways to make their classrooms more agile, able to be reconfigured based on the lesson or the needs of students, different furniture and groupings to engage different learners. In other words, teaching and learning should shape the space, not vice versa. There are fantastic examples of this in every division, and today's episode looks at four unique spots within our walls that intentionally reimagines furniture and space to support learning outcomes. Let's go first to the lower school. Megan Wallace teaches second grade, and flexible, adaptive furniture has been her passion for several years. Mrs. Wallace's classroom seating is a mixture of specially designed chairs for kids who like to wiggle and wobble a little bit while they sit, along with a few more traditional ergonomic chairs that roll. The different varieties of wobble seats offer a full range of movement to kids, along with stability so they won't tip over. Mrs. Wallace also has tall, flat stools, low, circular stools that roll and spin, squishy floor cushions, a low, comfy couch, and a cozy, bright rug. Students sit at tables of different lengths, shapes, and heights, which can quickly be pushed together into new constellations. In my conversation with Mrs. Wallace, I was amazed to learn how furniture choice improves the ways that students communicate and collaborate with one another. By eliminating a sense of ownership, it also promotes community within a classroom and enhances learning goals for all students, especially those with unique sensory needs or attentional challenges. My first question is, what motivated you to start exploring flexible furniture in the first place? So I found that the students really needed movement within the classroom. They were sitting in a stationary place at their spot in a row for a long time. And it started really with one or two girls just saying to me, can I stand at my desk? And they would push their chair out and stand. And then I realized that they really needed to move also, move to different places to feel like they had a little freedom in the classroom and yeah. to find a spot that works the best for them. So we noticed that you have stools of varying heights, you have roller chairs, you have, are these like benches or? So those are wobble stools. Wobble stools. And okay. so the girls are sitting at their desks and they still wobble around and it lets them move a little bit even though they're sitting doing right. their work and those are options that they have. Nobody has to sit in that all day, but you'll see sometimes when a girl feels like they need to move a little, they'll just push their chair away, grab a stool, and wiggle around. So what's really interesting is the girls have developed a sense of what they need, or they've learned to listen to their bodies. What is my body telling me I need? And it sounds like you've given them independence right, to use a sacred heart term, some wise freedom <laughs> to make those choices for themselves? Yes. So it starts with a lot of learning about the furniture when they first arrive because it's very exciting and they think it's cool and it's going to be fun. But then they really learn that it's a tool for our learning and that it really does matter where you're sitting, where you're standing to do your work, what place you choose in the classroom to be productive. Yeah. In the years since we've implemented this furniture, 
I have never had a problem with a student taking advantage of it. They really know what helps them learn and grow. Do you have a favorite piece of furniture and do the students have a favorite tool to use? Maybe they're the same or maybe they're different. So we have oodles, which are like the wobble stools. They wobble, but they can also be made to be stationary. And there are these round stools. They can be adjusted to different heights and the girls love them. They're comfortable, they are versatile. They'll move them all over the classroom. They love to group them together and sit in a circle using these stools and do reading groups and math sharing. So that seems to be a favorite in here right now. And I also noticed you don't have desks, but you have tables that can be, like right now you have a table that looks like of six, but those tables could easily, it looks like, be made into pairs or a trio. Do you change around the groupings with the desks often? Yes. Right now they do have assigned seats, but they choose their seat on Monday and then they keep it for the week. Hopefully that will change in time. Yeah. But the desks that are put together right now, the girls know that they can always separate that. If we're doing independent work and they need a quiet space or they want to move, sometimes they'll wheel themselves over into a corner and just be able to work quietly or they'll move two desks together if they're working together so they don't interrupt the whole group. Everything's on wheels and they've learned how to lock the wheels, unlock the wheels, move things into place. And they actually come up with great groupings on their own to make the space work best for them. Since implementing these different seating options, different tables and desks, have you seen changes in student behavior or learning outcomes? I really have. I would say that, first of all, they love coming in here because I think they feel a sense of ownership, the space. They get to make choices about where they're going to sit, how they're going to learn for the day, what works best for them. There's a ton of movement. I always say they're rocking and rolling all day long in the classroom. (laughs) But it just keeps them really engaged. They're on their toes all day working and they don't feel confined to one space. They also don't feel possessive over their desk. So we can easily share and collaborate and get into different groups with the different furniture because we're changing spots so often that there's not this feeling of, oh, this is my only space. So they move space. Yeah, it's really a community. I hadn't thought about that angle. That's really interesting. Oh, Megan, thank you for talking with me. This is (laughs) really interesting. Your classroom is beautiful. Thank you. I love having visitors. In the past, I think we've taken the furniture in a space for granted, assumed that its function is simply as a place to park our bodies. Mrs. Wallace is someone who changed her expectations for what furniture can do and saw dramatic changes in her students as a result. I'm fascinated by the notion that shape and optionality of a table or chair can foster collaboration, community, creativity, and critical thinking. The Makerspace is home to middle school science teacher, Deanna George. It's a busy place where in a given moment, a student might be programming a robot, slicing up cardboard, wiring a sweatshirt to light up, or participating in a virtual reality watercolor class. Students need space to work and to access a plethora of tools and materials. Here's Mrs. George on the importance of space and the sneaky value of clear plastic storage bins. My first question, can you tell us about some projects that are happening in the makerspace? 
I have had the eighth graders in there. They actually created their own robots using recycled materials. It's been really awesome. And to see what they've come up with has been fascinating. Connected motors and lights. I had a Ferris wheel. Whoa. I had a reindeer. Oh. <laughs> so a lot of holiday themed uh-huh. robots. A cake on wheels that spun around. Wow. And they have completely embraced finding materials and then taking it from that and designing these completely different types of robots. Have you made any cool innovations to this space that have made it more usable for students? I don't know that I've made innovations, but we've cleaned it out a lot. That makes a big difference. It's huge. We used to keep the robotics table in there. Yeah. And luckily we were able to move that to a new space. It eliminates visual clutter. It does. And it gives them that sense of freedom, right. which I think is really paid off when it came to that creativity piece with the robots. They're just not afraid to try different things. How do you think students feel in the maker space? I think they feel free to be themselves. Yeah. It opens them up to trying new things. Mm-hmm. We try to keep all the materials in clear plastic containers so that they can see the different things that are oh. there. It's amazing. I wish you could just go in one time and just see them when they first go in, when they're starting a project, because they just light up and they're running to different boxes and like, oh, this is like Christmas. It is. It's like Christmas. (laughs) And then when you see what they do with it, because sometimes you're looking at like, okay, what are they going to do with that? They create these amazing creations. It's great to see. Wow. (laughs) And just this simple thing of keeping storage in clear boxes And the students can see what the possibilities are. Sounds like it prompts so much imagination. Yes, it's a huge difference from the items. Some of them had been in like cardboard boxes. Yeah. They're not going to go looking. It's very visual. And I think that's super important for them to be able to see what's there. Right. You also have enormous windows in your classroom. (laughs) So I'm wondering, do you see that as a benefit? How does the light play a role in your instruction or in your students experience yeah I think having the light is great because it just always seems sunny in there Mm -hmm. I don't know about you but I always feel better when the sun's out 100% Um, what surprised me is it's not distracting yeah oh like I thought that some kids would be hanging out the window looking to see the kids playing outside it does not seem to distract them because they're kind of caught up in what they're doing right that's been great and it's nice to have the windows You have a beautiful classroom. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with me. This was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Here's something that's really important. I think it's interesting also how in the first one, it's kind of the way that Shakespeare himself presented it in the writing. Because it's the way that it's crafted. For the last few years, upper school English classes have gathered around Harkness tables. Picture a grand wooden dining table. The Harkness table is similar to that. And while this style of furniture looks quite classic, it facilitates teaching and learning that is nothing short of revolutionary. The Harkness method originated at Phillips Exeter Academy with the goal of inspiring a more dynamic style of learning. With Harkness, the teacher and students gather around a large table for student-led discussions. The conversation is usually driven by students and keeps them at the center of the learning process. Students are expected to come prepared to initiate conversation, own the issues being discussed, and learn from one another. And at the heart of all this talking, questioning, listening, and challenging is the Harkness table itself. Upper school English teacher, Sarah Martin, 
uses the Harkness method with her ninth grade classes. The term Harkness is referring to the table, which is a large wooden oval shaped table, at least ours are. There can be different versions. I've seen the one. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, the, it's beautiful. Everyone sits around the table. And the idea is that I am not the teacher standing in front of the room with all the answers, (laughs) that this is a collaborative experience, that I am facilitating the discussion, but that the students all have roles that they are playing. As a teacher, you see the students grow very much in terms of they are not just like a receptacle of information, that they are generating the learning and that their ideas are what makes the class work. And so... There's a responsibility the students have to be really well prepared because no one knows where the conversation's going to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to come to class with ideas that they're excited to talk about, but not necessarily like I have these saved ideas that need to come out in discussion at some point because they're following the arc of the conversation. So you might not get to work in that idea that you thought of last night that didn't quite fit into that discussion. And that can be sort of a tricky thing. You have to be reacting and listening. Listening is so important. So it seems almost equally important to the content you're covering Mm -hmm. are these skills of like flexibility Mm -hmm. and active listening Mm -hmm. and supporting your argument or generating Mm -hmm. questions or sort of analyzing somebody Mm -hmm. else's idea that go along with being a really engaged participant in this method. Exactly. We talk a lot about body language Mm -hmm. and how it feels to be the one speaking. And if you have your classmates who are leaning towards you and nodding and eye contact with masks on, that's that much more important because you can't see their facial expressions, but all of that matters. And how does it feel if someone is slumped you know, their seat, not looking at you or doodling. And so they've all been on the flip side. Sometimes I will remind them, but that's become a much more natural part of our class is that the awareness of what your role is if you're not speaking, but if you're listening, what that looks like. You've taught in different settings before, maybe more traditional settings with desks or tables configured in another way. Do you see this classroom experience being different for your students than if they were seated in a more traditional way or does the class come together as a community in a different way than if there was desks in a row? Absolutely. One skill we're trying to develop is to avoid this idea of popcorn, that a student has an idea that they want the teacher to respond to, the teacher responds to them, then it goes to another student, that notion of popcorn. Mm -hmm. That is more natural in a traditional setting when you have desks in a row. Whereas if you're at the table, then you're looking in the, the viewpoint of your classmates are all sitting, you can see everybody You can see me too, but I'm not the focus necessarily. My conversation with Sarah made me think about my own experience and how the classrooms in my middle school and high school were organized. Listeners, take a minute to remember your ninth grade English classroom. Where did you sit? What could you see from that position? What would have been different for you had everyone been gathered together around a table? If your teacher had been alongside you rather than in front, if equal emphasis was placed on learning to listen in addition to talking, would you be the same person? Recently, I had the chance to sit down with Ellen Stewart. Mrs. Stewart is the Director of Media Studies, Design, and Innovation. She's keenly aware of the importance of space and had so many fascinating things to teach me.
welcome to the October edition of Today from the Heart. I'm Neve. And I'm Olivia. And we are broadcasting from the David J. Bloom Broadcast Suite. This month's episode is dedicated to former head of school, Mrs. Hayes, and her devotion to the Sacred Heart community. I'm Ellen Stewart, the Director of Media Studies, Design and Innovation. It's a new department that's cross-disciplinary that was started this year, formerly known as Broadcast Journalism. The Innovation Lab is so striking. As soon as you walk into the lower school, it's the first thing I see. And I just want to go in and sit in all the furniture, spend time in this room. It's so inviting. I'm wondering if you could share with us the function for this space and then maybe your thoughts on how you designed it and the furniture, the color choices, all of the thoughtful elements. The broadcast journalism program formerly known as the Broadcast Journalism Program, we were constantly running out of space because it's one of the most popular programs in the upper school. And so for years, we were all squished into one small room. And during COVID, we had to work across three different rooms to be able to follow COVID protocol while allowing all the students to work together. But it was really working apart in different spaces. And the girls really felt that difference last year. And so in looking at the space for this school year, we looked around on the lower school library to see, is there a space that could accommodate all girls at once? Mm Because some of our classes range from 20 to 22 girls. Mrs. Dunn, who was in the lower school computer lab there, was so kind to say, what if we all collaborate in this space and make it an innovation lab for all three divisions? And then the broadcast filmmaking media studies courses can meet there as well as the lower school discovery days, the middle school media literacy classes. So the idea and the mission, which was a pretty hefty one, is how do we find a space that can accommodate little bodies, as little as kindergartners, and bigger kids as as 12th graders. Right. That's a challenge. Yeah. (laughs) We were inspired by Megan Wallace's choice for the third grade furniture, Mm -hmm. which is bright, vibrant, multi-purpose, flexible in in the layout. So I spoke to Megan at the beginning of the year and she recommended the vendor she was using. We had the task to fit all three grades, but more specifically, the idea was how do we find a space that follows the function, you know, that we're being thoughtful in advance. So Mrs. Frazier has always used that phrase, form follows function. Yes. And so taking her advice and saying, what do we want this space to be? Mm -hmm. We want it to be a space where kids can feel imaginative, where they can feel collaborative, where they feel freedom, that they can move in the space. They're not stuck in rows. They're not stuck in lines. We wanted to be able to move into a circle. We wanted to be able to move into small groups. We wanted student to student collaboration space, teacher to student collaboration space, and had the constraint of how do we find furniture that could, again, fit kindergarten to 12th grader people's bodies. The starting place for it was actually the whiteboard wall. Mm -hmm. It was amazing how life transforming just changing a wall was, but allowing that space for kids to work made a huge difference in the classroom. And then I have to give credit to Will Smyer, who's one of the grounds managers here. I was meeting with him over the summer and said, let's paint this wall white. And he said, well, isn't the rest of the wall going to look a little boring then? Because the other wall was like off white. He's like, I think you could go with a little splash of color. He's such a visionary. Yes. (laughs) We made the bold choice to pick this bright greenish color for one wall and then blue colors for the others. One of the architects who had come to Sacred Heart and helped build the Stewart building in 2006 had used the term biophilia. Biophilia is a strategy where you, it's like 
loving biology, right, is what it means. It's an architectural term where you take the space inside and mirror (gasps) nature in it. And that as our bodies settle and breathe deeper in that space, that it actually transforms our learning and our comfort level in a space. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, the broadcast studio, the original one, has absolutely no windows. (laughs) So it was really hard. Whenever he'd stop by, he'd be like, you need some biophilia in this room. But we couldn't have plans because there's no no windows. So another thread of intention was how do we add a bit of nature in this space? So picking the colors of blue and green. There's two beautiful windows there and bringing in some plants as well helped create a safe space that felt both modern with the bright color walls, but also natural. I asked my students today, I knew we were going to be meeting and said, what do you think this space has meant to you as students? And this was a real world filmmaking class. So 10th through 12th graders, every hand went up. They were, you know, one student was like, I feel more creative. The color of the walls makes me feel more imaginative. I love writing on the whiteboard, the furniture, the fact that I can move in it, that I can put it up or down. Of course, some of the girls said we like that it has wheels we can spin around, (laughs) but they really recognized that the space itself informs their learning it opens their minds they're more creative collaborative and imaginative in the space so I've been blown away by the impact that these small choices made the paint color the whiteboard wall and this flexible furniture and I do want to give a shout out to the parents who donated to the shine the light funds because that's how we paid for this space and so I know sometimes people don't know where their donations go and this is a very tangible way that impacted student learning in a very innovative way. In addition to the students using the space, that faculty have been using the Innovation Lab as well to learn. What are some of the projects they're doing in there? We had an Innovation Lab mixer Mm -hmm. the first month of school and we all came in and shared ideas about using the makerspace, using media literacy in our classes and made a huge post-it wall of all of our ideas. Since that time, we had another professional learning workshop where people interested in the Audubon, our Audubon partnership came. And we similarly used the space to meet in small groups and then big groups and really imagine. Sometimes people think innovation means technology and computers. And I think the core of innovation is actually being creative thinkers and imaginative thinkers. And I think this space in both its openness, its biophilia, its collaborative, multi-purpose, flexible furniture really allows the people in the room to be creative. To be their most creative. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And then one last note, because this was so tell me, thoughtful. Tell me more. I love um, hearing this. <laughs> one on. of the students today said, it's not just the furniture, the colors, the, they didn't use the word biophilia, but all of those things. But what one of the girls said is, in our old space, we had computers all along the perimeter of the room. Yeah. So when we were working in class, we were facing away from each other. We were just facing technology. Yeah. And she said, it makes such a difference to be in a room where we can all look at one another in yes. a circle and we're looking together in the same direction, not away from each other. That's so screens. powerful. Yeah. How insightful, How right? insightful. <laughs> what an astute observation this student made. I'm not sure that I would have yeah. teased that out myself. Exactly. And I was really sensitive that she was aware of that and yeah. noticed the importance. I agree. That shift. I agree. So amazing what a space can do. Today's episode included four sensitive teachers whose thoughtful decisions about physical space have transformed their students' experiences. However, a quick zip through the hallways reveals countless other design decisions that enhance all of our well-being. Maybe you noticed new flooring in the lower school or newly painted white walls. These are intentional choices. Maybe you've nestled on Mrs. Weinman's couch 
were gathered around the soft rug in Mrs. Cornell's room as she dims the lights and lights the prayer candle. Consider how you felt in these moments and the role that furniture and the physical space inspired these feelings. Okay, now let's go back to where we started. Look around you now, wherever it is you are. What's working? Could you feel more inspired by the elimination of some visual clutter, as Mrs. George suggested? Could your home office or kitchen use a little biophilia? Thanks, Mrs. Stewart. Ask your daughter about what she loves about her classrooms and consider how the third teacher impacts your family's life at home. And let us know. Thank you for listening to another episode of Heart to Heart. For more glimpses into the world of Sacred Heart Greenwich, an all-girls Catholic independent school, visit our website at shgreenwich.org and follow us on social media at shgreenwich.org.